So last week we got a franchise. This week, The Athletic started its breakdown of what players will be available and, of course, drafted by the future Seattle Crap Weasels. John, is P.K. Subban already a Crap Weasel? Well, according to The Athletic, all the writers think he is. So I'm I'm pretty psyched about that. So should we should we print out some jerseys, some I Subban so. jerseys yeah. already? Yeah, I've I've already ordered my Seattle Crap Weasels <laughs> PK Subban jersey. I designed it myself. It's it's very handsome. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what I'm talking about here, the Athletic did a story uh, essentially saying which players are going to be available. It was kind of included all of their writers and uh, or at least many of their writers. Our good friend here, John Barr, did what he does and pulled some <laughs> data to see which of the players based on the analysis from the writers uh, would be most likely. What he came up with based on the number of writers that picked them for uh, Seattle to, to end up selecting them were four writers selected Aiden Hill, goalie for the Coyotes. Four writers selected P.K. Subban. Four writers selected Brandon Montour. And then three for each of the following. So Zach Hyman, Braden Holtby, Oliver Kylington, Caleb Jones, Rasmus Asplund, and Vince Dunn. So there you go. Your there's 21. Our, there's our team. Yeah. <laughs> it could, be, it could be worse though, right? I mean, those, some of those names I know, aren't it, so bad. It could you be know, worse. When I, when I looked at it, I'm like, I recognize a lot of those guys. Yeah. I, and I guess that's what we should expect. But a um, couple caveats here. There was a lot of assumptions baked in to what they're what they were doing is is all the writers kind of came up with a protected list and they were based on the current roster and assumptions that people currently rostered, even if they're uh, contract is expiring before 2021 or after 2021, they would be extended, which right. is is actually a likely scenario. When you look at some of the the protected lists, you're like, oh, they they will have a problem. Nashville yeah. will have a problem. Yeah, Yossi, Ellis, and Ekholm are the the top three that that they're projecting that they would protect. So that means two bands available, right? <laughs> which you know, when in the grand scheme of things, like you couldn't pick a better player to evangelize the sport coming in a new oh, town. Yeah. Like, you know what he did with Montreal. And then in Nashville, when he got there, he immediately went out to the community. And he, he would is, be a huge star here. I know. And he is, he is, he's awesome on the ice, but he's a, is a great personality that I think we need more of. So just a thought here, and it kind of gets back to your caveat, but if you're David Poyle, wouldn't you, you know, knowing three years down the line that PK Subban is likely to be the guy that you're going to have to expose. Wouldn't you try to trade him in the year coming up for something that's not a grabbable asset for the Seattle Crap Weasels? <laughs> I think Darren's raining on our parade here. I know. Our I dream know. of P.K. Subban and, and Crap Weasel All right, green. I'm, I'm already... <laughs> I would imagine them being brown. I imagine. They actually... <laughs> <laughs> It is episode 14 of Sound of Hockey. Andy, what are we calling this one? What episode? Well, I, I because I was the first one to jump on our, no, our show sheet, I, I called it the Alex Burroughs episode. That's disgusting. I know, man. <laughs> you take that back no. right now. He wore number 14. Can you think of a better 14? Uh, not off the top of my head. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure there are. Regardless. <laughs> Plenty, yeah. yeah. He's a nice guy. Yeah. With, For a, a rat. With a bit of a biting problem. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. We have a big one today. We had a really awesome guest who we, we interviewed uh, for quite a while, actually. Uh, the, he's the NHL draft analyst and prospects analyst for ESPN. Uh, his name's Chris Peters. He's a great follow, if you don't already, on Twitter. He has some really interesting stuff that he digs up. Uh, he specializes very much in USA hockey. So interesting interview with him. Definitely stick around for that. I think you're going to appreciate it. Before we dive into anything, though, we do have two new reviews that I definitely want to touch on because 
these were excellent. First one is from Crap Weasel Fan. <laughs> it says, an all-star podcast. I work in the city and have roughly an hour drive home. My favorite commutes are the ones where John, Andy, and Darren join me for the ride. Their uh-huh. recap of the week's hockey news is informative, entertainment, and sometimes even educational, which is greatly appreciated by fans like me who still feel they have much to learn about the sport. I love the weekly one-timers, parentheses, <laughs> <laughs> he actually wrote that. He or she actually wrote that in here. Goalie Gear Corner and especially the Get Off My Lawn segments. If you want one of the truly great sports podcasts, look no further than Sound Whoa, of Hockey. Nice. I swear we did not write this ourselves. <laughs> you know what Crap Weasel fan doesn't realize is we actually are right behind him on his commute home. Yeah, we're, we're actually in the back seat. We're yeah. Yeah. He or she should <laughs> Don't look in the back seat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that podcast is coming from inside your car. <laughs> uh, the other one is from Santa Ana Sounder. It says the, with in all caps, the Seattle NHL podcast. Solid podcast that's getting better every week. Good coverage of the entire league. And of course, everything Seattle doesn't try to be anything than what it is. Just some dudes talking hockey. <laughs> P.S. Line A doesn't get to 65. There we go. Our five-star question of the week finally That's works. Right. That's, two right. Weeks. That's right. That's yeah. <laughs> right. Two, two weeks, weeks later. But we got one. Doesn't get to 65. Injuries. Thanks, guys. Happy to be an early adopter. Awesome. That's so cool. that's pretty cool. Thank Santa you. Anna Sounder. That's awesome. I am now agreeing with you, by the way. I said he would get to 65, I think, and now I I don't think that that's going to be the case anymore. He's slowed down a bit. No, he didn't have another five-goal night. Or <laughs> no, whatever. he hasn't yeah. had five-goal <laughs> night since that episode. Some brief Seattle news. A change in the contractor for the arena at Seattle Center. Any thoughts on this? Previously, Skanska, who's taking this over? It's Mortensen, which is actually a local local company. But honestly, I'm not in the construction business. And <laughs> Jimmy Crackhorn, I don't really care. <laughs> Just build it. We don't really care. We don't really care who builds it, but we hope yeah, that yeah. it's, you know, gets done. Okay, so that's that. Thrilling stuff. Thank you for that, John. <laughs> Riveting. Yeah. yeah also, I wanted edge. to mention, and this isn't really Seattle news, but I wanted to bring up Andy's story that he wrote. Hey, Andy, by the way, yes. hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. At Andy Eyde on Twitter. <laughs> That's I'm right. at Darren Funbrown on Twitter, and John is at NHL2 Seattle on Twitter. Uh, but we wanted to mention Andy's story about Glenn Goodall, who's a Seattle hockey legend. That's right. And Andy, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about it? It was it was a great story. Yeah, I was it's thoroughly a, entertained. It's a story that I've wanted to do for a long time because without Glenn Goodall, you know, I, the Seattle Thunderbirds may not be here, and I probably wouldn't be sitting here because he's the one who got me into hockey. Uh, the Thunderbirds were my gateway into hockey, and Glenn Goodall was the star when I went to go. And you know, I wanted to write it because with all the, the NHL news here, there, there was a lot of history that was being brought up. You know, people talk Metropolitans and the, the totems, but I wasn't hearing a lot about Glenn Goodall. And you know, he's the all-time leader in the Western Hockey League in goal scored, and he. Was, he, he he played in the Western Hockey League at 14 years old, which is amazing to me, especially in the 80s when you know each team had about three or four guys who had 300 penalties. It was a rough league, <laughs> you know. He's and he's only five eight. He was never a big guy. I think that's the main reason he didn't end up in the pros. But when he got to Seattle, they weren't very good. They weren't drawing very well. They were, you know, in the Mercer Arena, they were probably getting 2,000 fans a night. And by the time he left, they were in the Coliseum selling out at 12,000. And, and he had a lot to do with that. Uh, just an exciting player to watch, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, one of my favorite players growing up. So it was a pleasure to talk to him. And he couldn't have been a nicer guy. Uh, and we've had some pretty amazing uh, responses from from people who remember him. And, and, you know, we've had some cool comments about, oh, yeah, you know, I 
he was my favorite when I was growing up, and I remember getting a picture with him and all these things. So yeah, he's, he is kind of a local legend in the hockey community. Yeah, and I saw a lot of comments about people like, oh, we used to save our money to go see him. Yep. Or his he gave like some kid and his mom tickets once, and that's how he, be, he became a hockey fan. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> I saw that. that the person that tweeted that comment at you was like, good all 12. Or yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> good all 10. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, it was uh, it was pretty cool to see that. And it, funny, funny little backstory with, I would argue with Andy, you know, for the last <laughs> like six years, who the best Thunderbird was, realizing that I've never seen any either of them when they were Thunderbirds. But uh, I always liked Patrick Marlowe only because he was a shark, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Andy would say, no, 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 it's Goodall. And what was nice when I read the, the story, it was like, I could now appreciate Goodall more than I ever have, right? I've seen his number retired at the, you know, hanging in the rafters, but I get it after reading that story. And I thought that was an excellent story. And it, and it was it was pretty neat that I finally got to understand like holistically what he meant to the to the area. And then I see that the comments, whether it be on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where people were just kind of talking about their memory mm-hmm. of him, which is really, really awesome to see. So anyway, that was a great And that's article. been the coolest part too, yeah. to me, is just that knowing that I wasn't alone and appreciating him all these years. Yeah, yeah, there were other yeah. people who, who he meant something to. Yeah, good stuff. So check it out on NHLToSeattle.com where we are all contributors. Uh, okay, let's dive right into our interview with Chris Peters. Here it is. We now welcome on to Sound of Hockey, a very special guest. We have Chris Peters. Chris is the NHL Draft and Prospects Analyst for ESPN. Chris, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good to be with you. Absolutely. We're very excited to have you, and we thought the timing of it was just perfect. We have, obviously, the World Junior Training Camp coming up this weekend here in Everett, uh, and World Junior Championship is just around the corner. So lots to talk about, and uh, and we're excited to have you at this time. First and foremost, though, your thoughts on the latest PTO signing of the AHL's Utica Comets? <laughs> Uh, you mean Colton Saucerman? That's the one. Uh, the, the legend that is Colton Saucerman. Um, yeah, gosh, it's funny. I've seen him play since he was back in the USHL, and he, he did not have a beard then. Uh, and I think he must have started growing it uh, when he was in the USHL because that thing is uh, incredible. Um, the Yukon Cornelius comparisons are far too apt. Yeah, so they're they're uh, yeah. He's either a wildling or uh, an incredible hockey player. I'm not sure, but either way, I, I I love the signing. Definitely just just for the beard alone. Not sure the the, the ability is there to be a, an everyday AHLer, uh, but at the same time, why not? I yeah. mean, I, yeah. I love. With a name like yeah. Colton Saucerman, there's got to be some sort of uh, some sort of skill there to back it up. I would imagine. Anyway, good. good I, I would hope so. Yeah. Oh, enough about Colton Saucerman. Let's talk about you, Chris. <laughs> uh, so, how did you? I know you're you're kind of your main focus is on U.S. hockey and, and prospects. How did you kind of carve out that niche for yourself, and what made you so interested in in covering that? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's funny. It all kind of happened by accident because I, I used to, uh, you know, I, I started at USA Hockey as an intern. I had the Brian Fishman internship, which is like a year-long internship. Now it's two years, actually. And it was pretty much a full-time job in the, the PR department of USA Hockey. And um, timing worked out. I got, I got a, after the internship was over, a job opened up at the National Team Development Program. And that was really my first exposure to, you know, things like the World Juniors, the World Under-18 Championship, uh, prospects in general and just just the, my two years there 
Um, and I, I was there around the same time. The, the 1992 team was uh, 1992 born. And I was like Jack Campbell and Jason Zucker. And, had, you know, quite a few NHLers were there. Cam Fowler and Justin Falk and guys like that were there when I was there. And so I was able to kind of see those guys progress into from, you know, from teenagers into NHL prospects. Um, and, and that really got me fascinated about the whole thing. So, you know, we, we kind of had a we were forced to move. Essentially, I had to kind of drop everything. Uh, my wife got a job back home, and she's she's originally originally from Iowa, um, and she had a better opportunity. And so we left, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> I guess that's it for the old <laughs> hockey career." We were living in a town called Muscatine, Iowa, which is right along the Mississippi River, and it it, it you know there's you know the, the Quad City. Quad cities weren't far away, so we had some hockey around. But I was like, "Well, I, this isn't going to work." So uh, I was really. I don't know, down. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I started a, a blog called the United States of Hockey. And I was like, you know what? Nobody covers the world juniors in the U.S. Um, nobody covers these these prospects. I feel like they're undercovered. And so I'm going to do something about it. And I just decided to start a blog. I initially thought it would only be for that first uh, world juniors, which was in 2011. Um, and then the thing kind of took off kind of surprisingly. I got a lot of uh, a lot of people in the industry kind of got, got going, uh, got into it. I was able to provide some unique insight because because of my time at USA Hockey, and you know, I, I had some really great mentors there, uh, including the late Jim Johansson, the late Tim Taylor. You know, two two guys that that I learned so much from uh, that I'm really sad are, are no longer with us. But you know, that was really a great opportunity. And so yeah, so that blog kind of snowballed. It ended up in a job at, at CBSSports.com covering the NHL, and and then I was I, I lost that job, <laughs> and then. Uh, I, you know, I was out of hockey for a little bit and then ESPN came calling, which is uh, like the shock of a lifetime and, and obviously a dream come true. So yeah, it's, it's a long winding path to get there, but that's kind of how it all happened. I personally, and, and I know John and Andy are very familiar with, uh, with the world juniors. And um, I guess here in the U S it's not quite as big of a deal yet as it is in Canada where it's definitely a more rabid fan base that covers that. Can you, for our more casual hockey fan listeners, can you kind of explain to us why the, the world junior championship is just such must watch hockey? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think, I think that the world juniors is, especially with the NHL out, not, not in the Olympics and, and who knows if they'll come back. I think it's one of the most entertaining, uh, and one of the most important international tournaments for, for a variety of reasons. Obviously it's a great opportunity to see stars, uh, before they, before they become those NHL stars, it's 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 a great level of competition. You know, it's the best players under twenty in the world. So uh, you've got you know so many so many of the greats have, have played in this tournament, and so that's one one aspect. It's also an important measuring stick for for the international programs, and you know for USA Hockey, for for Hockey Canada, and and as we've seen in the last few years. Um, there haven't been many repeat champions, uh, which has been pretty awesome because I, I think for years Canada dominated the tournament, and now we've seen the U.S. win, we've seen Sweden win, Russia, uh, you know, Finland has won a couple of times. It, it's been it's been very good for the international hockey community to kind of just see that these young players are able to compete at that level. Um, you know, it's the ten team tournament. It's a it's great to to kind of see some of those lesser countries as well. Denmark has been in the tournament for the last few years, and it's been really important for their program. Uh, same with Switzerland. This was the, the World Juniors was really the coming out party for Nico Heischer, uh, and really solidified him as the number one prospect a couple of years ago. You know, so that that's that's really what it's all about. And I, I think the pace is incredible. Uh, the stakes are obviously very high. The passion is high. You know, some of these guys are already on NHL contracts. Some of them are, you know, fighting to, to prove themselves. And, and so there's a lot of different 
different elements in terms of the emotions and the, the actual playing of the hockey there. And, you know, we've seen some great USA-Canada battles. They're not in the same group this year, so hopefully we'll get to see them in the medal round because uh, that's always an entertaining game. Uh, but, yeah, this is this is going to be a really fun and uh and fascinating tournament in Vancouver for for so many reasons, um, and it's great that it's it's nice and close for folks. I, I don't know how easy tickets are going to be to get this time <laughs> around, but uh, you know it's it's certainly if you have the opportunity to check it out, it's absolutely worth being there for for at least uh, a couple of games. And Chris, you mentioned you know Canada's dominance for so long, but the U.S. has made some big strides. I feel like over the last decade or so in that junior junior tournament has won a couple of gold medals that. U.S.-Canada game that historically was always on New Year's Eve was such a big draw. In your mind, watching it all this time, what, what do you think the biggest reason for the U.S. Uh, you know stepping up their their level has been? Yeah, well, it's just it's kind of a growing trend. I think that the the play the number of players uh, has grown. Um, we we're kind of coming out of a, a lull period here, where you know, the, like kind of the beginnings of the the recession, we saw very many <laughs> losses of of hockey players. We saw. A lot of uh, of people that that did not uh, did not stick with the game, and so that that really diminished the player pool. And there were a couple of years there where where it was pretty pretty tough for the U.S. to put together you know a competitive team. But now um, it every year they have an opportunity to win the gold medal. And and uh, another big factor is I think the improvement of the USHL, the improvement of college hockey in general, and then the, the national team development program's influence has has been pretty significant. And uh, you know that's a credit to the people there. That's a credit to Jim. Johansson, you know, that that kind of have, have championed that cause and, and the fact that I think player identification has gotten so much better. Um, and one of the more subtle things about USA success in 2010, when they won with the, the, the John Carlson goal that you're going to see on highlight packages, um, <laughs> uh, all into the buildup of, of this tournament. And, and, and thankfully, so it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great moment in world junior history, but the USA hockey, t- Tim Taylor decided, you know, Hey, Canada is doing this a lot differently than we are. What are the things that we can borrow from them uh, that that will help us get better? And and this this camp that you're going to see in Everett is is a perfect example. Uh, when I was at USA Hockey, they usually pick the team by December third. Before there was a camp, they just used the summer camp and the games that were there. Now it's a lot different. Now they have this camp. They're taking 29 players to this camp, which is 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 not quite as many of, as Canada tends to take to their camps. But it, it's an opportunity to get that last little bit of competition and that has i think risen the stakes it's risen the competition level the team comes into the tournament more prepared as a result and they come in with better decisions made because they're seeing these guys up close and personal they're not just making decisions based on a summer camp and how they play with their own teams they're seeing how they play together right before the tournament so that's one of the subtle improvements and they've won three gold medals since that happened since they started doing that system so i i think it it proves that that works and, and uh that's a huge credit to jim Johansson and Tim Taylor, who kind of made that change in in how this team was built, and it's made it better because of it. Uh, looking at your Twitter feed right now, you're you're covering the World Junior A Challenge. Is that correct? That that's correct. I'm in Bonneville, Alberta, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas Post- to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, is there anybody there that you're seeing that's uh, jumping out at you as a player? 
Uh, oh, yeah. This, this is a really good tournament, too. These are guys that aren't in the Canadian Hockey League, um, except for the some of the players on Russia. They do have guys from the CHL. But it's uh, they, they've changed the format a little bit as well. There are two Canadian teams, East and West, from the, like the BCHL and uh, the, the OJHL, like leagues like that. Um, and, and the USHL sends a team here, uh, or USA Hockey sends a team mostly of, of USHL players. And, uh, yeah, there are quite a few first-round prospects here, uh, most notably Vasily Podkolzin from Russia. Uh, I think he's a top 10 talent with, with Russians. There is the Russian factor where, you know, how, how long until we can get this player? Um, he's in, uh, St. Petersburg system SKA, which is, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the KHL. It's very difficult to get players away from them on talent alone. I think, you know, close to the top five, he's currently, uh, one of the tournament's leading scorers. And uh, just incredibly skilled, fast, uh, you know, good size, uh, competitive. So he's probably the best prospect here. But there's also a a few others, including um, uh, Alex Newhook, who is uh, playing in the BCHL right now for the Victoria Grizzlies, which is uh, the team that that Jamie Benn came from uh, before he went to the WHL. He, he is a, a, an incredible skater, very good hockey sense. Uh, you know, I think he's probably a, a, a top 20 level pick at this point, um, somewhere in there, maybe 20, maybe between 20 and 30. I, I still think he's a first rounder, putting up some incredible numbers in the BCHL. And he is uh, supposed to be going to Boston College next year. Um, so those are the two guys that I think really have stood out. The U.S. has quite a few guys that I think will be uh, late first, early second round kind of talents. Bobby Brink, uh, Robert Mastro Simone, uh, those are those are guys that uh, are playing incredibly well in the USHL um, and have an opportunity to, to be, uh, you know, a, a higher round draft pick. And those guys you just spoke of, they are they would be targeted around the 2020 dra- uh, entry draft. Is that accurate? Uh, no, most of these guys are eligible for this year's draft. Oh, they so are. Okay. 2019. Yeah, yeah. So those guys would all be uh, 2019. Um, there are a couple. The Russian goalie. I, I don't have my roster. Askarov is his name. Um, he is. Uh, he's probably one of the best goaltending prospects for the 2020 draft. Very, mm-hmm. very, very well could be. Uh, you know, a first-round draft pick. He played in the Ivan Holinka this year. Was outstanding for sure. As he is uh, a, a really incredible talent. And and speaking of goalies, we were we were hoping here to see uh, Everett's Dustin Wolf uh, get invited to this camp. Uh, obviously, he wasn't. Our, our initial thought was that you know he's he's just 17. That and the World Juniors is usually a 19-year-old kind of tournament. But I see that the U.S. does have a 19-year-old goalie in Spencer Knight uh, coming to the camp. Is is where do you see Dustin Wolf in that in that pipeline of U.S. goalies? And is it just that Spencer Knight's a better prospect? Uh yes, Spencer Knight <clears throat> is probably one of the best American goalie prospects that i've seen he is uh he is some have said you know like it's kind of funny i've heard that he's the best goalie prospect since jonathan quick but jonathan quick was a (laughs) mid-round draft pick um you know like as a prospect he wasn't exactly highly regarded um you know john gibson comes to mind though as a second round draft pick and connor hellebuck and you know he's he's very much in that mold he's a big kid he's he's athletic he's he's an incredible talent and i think dustin wolf has had a had a very good run um it is really rare for underage goalies uh to to make this uh this roster beyond you know beyond being the number three goalie i very much think spencer knight could be the starter for this team that's how good i think he is you know and 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 for dustin wolf he's going to have at least two more opportunities to make sure. this team. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that there's there's a lot with that. That Knight Knight also played in the World Under 18 Championship last year. He didn't have a great performance there, though. So I think you know it's it's certainly not his net at this point. Uh, you know, outright because they have Caden Primo and uh, and uh, Kyle Kaiser. And Kyle Kaiser has been the best goaltender in the OHL, and, and Primo has, has played in some huge games for Northeastern over the last couple of years. So the good thing is, is that the U.S. goaltending prospect pool is, is very good, very deep right now. Um, and that was uh, one of the biggest trouble spots probably 10 years ago for USA until like Jack Campbell and, and John Gibson and Connor Hellebuck and John Gillies and all these guys kind of started coming around and and now it's pretty typical to see an American go first or second round as a goaltender. Um, and I think Spencer Knight very well could be a first-round draft pick this year. So what do you think the Team USA's chances are this year at the tournament? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that their defense is a bit of a trouble spot. They don't have a whole lot of depth, on, especially among right-shot defensemen. You know, I think the, the forward group is outstanding. You got Jack Hughes at, at the top, and, and I think the center depth is, is very good uh, for the U.S. But, you know, you got they, they've had some guys that have – had some down seasons coming into the tournament. You just wonder how how good they're going to be able to play, like a like an Oliver Wallstrom who was you know a top ten draft or just outside the top ten in the draft last year, and has not had a great uh, start to his college season at Boston College. But he's he's such a tremendous goal scorer, and he did have those uh, so, those highlights from when he was like a squirt, right, picking up the puck. And yeah, absolutely, it. yeah, yeah. He, he, he was, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's he was he went viral at about ten years old. And <laughs> he's still uh, he's still a hell of a player. So yeah, so that's kind of uh, you know you gotta kind of wait for that. But uh, you know it's Canada's tournament to lose. I think they're the deepest team. They have the most talent. Um, the U.S. is really going to need strong goaltending. Uh, I absolutely every single year they are are in the mix for the gold. Uh, they played them in a summer camp earlier this year, and, and they had a really uh, really outstanding game, those two teams, and uh, some bad blood uh, even back then. And the one thing that I will say about USA is how much they're going to miss Brady Kachuk. Uh, not going to be made available from Ottawa, which is, you know, probably the, a good thing uh, for for him because it's you know he's he's obviously played well he's, he's a little snake bit right now his size hasn't scored as much lately but he's a guy that you know the u.s is really going to miss his presence his leadership uh and then obviously his skill because he he's there are very few players like him in the american system but yeah i mean absolutely a, a contender for gold they're going to be I, I think they have a really good chance to win their group which will be in victoria and finland and sweden are in there i think the u.s has more depth than both of those teams um so it's just a matter of you know letting the puck bounce the right way yeah. getting good goaltending and and, and uh, the defense really having to step up i think we're gonna see quinn hughes play a whole heck of a lot for this team um and they're gonna need him to really control the puck as he does at the university of michigan so uh it's gonna be very exciting uh this is gonna be a very fun u.s team to watch i think there's enough skill there where they're gonna they're gonna put on a show in a couple of these games so very much like their chances of of at least meddling for a fourth straight time which has never happened before just as uh mm-hmm. they're they're on this three straight medal run which is unprecedented so hopefully that continues uh, for them because uh, it, it's been really good for the program. And you, and you mentioned uh, Kachuk not being there. Uh, is there a guy on the team that you look that is the best the best chance of stepping up and filling that role? 
Oh yeah, that's a tough one because he's he, you know he's so nasty. He's he's, mm. he's mean. <laughs> he's not he's not very nice. Um, it runs in the family. Yeah, it absolutely does. <laughs> it absolutely does. And at this level, he's physically dominant. Um, there's really not a not a guy with a with a power forward element on this team. I don't feel like uh, you know I, I look at guys that like kind of fill the tenacity and the and the that that's that's probably more like a Josh Norris who's also an Ottawa Senators draft pick, very close friends with Brady Kitschuk. You know, he's he's a guy that that has more. You know, he's he's a very skilled player. He's part of the Eric Carlson trade. He was a San, <laughs> San Jose Sharks draft pick. Um, he's having an outstanding year. He's probably one of the the forwards that's coming into this tournament uh, as hot as anybody with the way that he's played at Michigan. You know, I look, geez, yeah, it's it's hard to say just on this U.S. roster. There's not a lot of uh, snarl, but there's a lot of skill. So <laughs> they won't have anybody that's quite like Brady Kachuk, but it, they they could have a team that's going <laughs> to outskate the other their opponents. Um, speed is going to be the name of the game with this team, and, and they have plenty of that. So speaking of speed, um, obviously there's a lot of hype around uh, Jack Hughes. You know, we've seen promotional videos uh, already for him. What makes him so good? And is there like a good comparable of a current NHL player that that would be like in line with Jack Hughes? Yeah, it's in, you know I've heard a lot of different comparisons, and it's it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint because I think he is a very unique player. His skating is is elite. Um, he does everything fast. He's uh, makes plays at high speed. He is creative. Um, he is shifty. You know, he he's very unpredictable in terms of his skating. He never really skates in a straight line. He's more of a kind of a, a weaver and he can do that at a high speed which is one of the mm. things that makes him so difficult to defend um and so in that regard he's similar you know i don't want to compare him to Connor mcdavid as a, <laughs> as, a, as a full comp but but in that way he's similar um you know his, his shot is probably the thing that needs to improve the most at this point he's he's more of a pass first guy uh but he does have a very quick release it's just not a, as heavy of a shot um which is actually the same kind of knock on quinn uh, his older brother. So, but yeah, I mean, incredibly gifted skater. I think his hockey sense is, is uh, special. He sees so many plays at, at the speed that he plays at. Um, you know, I think there have been some, some comparisons out there that he's kind of like Patrick Kane, but he plays faster than Patrick Kane. You know, he's, uh, some people have said he's, he's Johnny Gaudreau. I don't know that he quite has the puck skill that Johnny Gaudreau has. And I think that some of those comparisons get made just because they're skilled American players, right. um, which is kind of how, comps tend to go but it, you know i think that he's much more in the the, the kind of like the Mc, somewhere between a mcdavid and marner uh kind of player where where he can play at such a high speed and and you know he's not a big guy and i think that he he's not going to really intimidate anybody physically but what he is going to do is he, he's going to make a lot of defenders uh hold, grip their sticks pretty tight when he's coming in on a rush because <laughs> Through the neutral zone, he's pretty much unstoppable. He's he's going to play a lot. I think the U.S. is going to put him in a position to succeed, and, and he's going to have some wingers that I expect him to do quite a bit of damage. And I think that he's going to, you know, if he if he doesn't lead the team in scoring, I think he's going to be a, a huge catalyst for them offensively, and and a guy that that really is a, a key to everything that that goes right for the U.S. If if it goes right this year. Right. right. So aside from Hughes, are there any guys in this age group that you foresee making an impact next year? In the NHL? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think throughout, uh, for the U.S. team or for anybody? For anybody. Yeah, well, I, I think that this tournament is, is such a great proving ground uh, for NHL player, future NHL players. And there are going to be a lot of guys here 
that, that I think we'll see in the NHL. Some of them maybe as as early as the the end of the season. I think Quinn Hughes will probably end up being uh, on Vancouver's roster at the end of his college season. He has been outstanding this year. Just one of the most unique skaters among defensemen that I've seen. I think there's he's impossible to compare to other players. You know, in terms of being an offensive defenseman, there's just too many things that that he does that are, are unique. So I think we'll see him, you know, I think Philip Zadina for the Czech Republic, Martin Nichas, they're both supposed to be released from their AHL teams to go play in this tournament. And those are two guys that, that were dominant last year. And I think could be extremely exciting this year. Um, they're in a tough group. They got to play Russia and Canada in their group. I still think they're going to be poised to advance and, and, and be a tough out in the quarterfinals. So those are guys that I could see there for Russia there could be a couple of guys. I don't know if there are as many. Clem Costin is, is is one that you know plays for the St. Louis in the St. Louis Blues system. He's been a pretty good AHL player. Sweden should have a, a few guys. Um, Eric Brandstrom, very talented offensive defenseman, currently playing the AHL. You know, there, he he's a guy that I, I could absolutely see. Uh, I think Capo Kako, who is going to be probably the number two guy in the draft this year, will play for Finland. I could see him. Jumping right into the NHL next season, very high-end hockey sense, excellent playmaker, outstanding name, uh, does a, outstanding name, absolutely. <laughs> um, he he's a guy that I could absolutely see making a, a pretty substantial impact on whichever team he ends up picking him. You know, he's doing very well in the Finnish league uh, this year. So you know, you look at last year's tournament, and and, and Rasmus Dahlin was there, Elias Pettersson was there. Or sorry, Elias Pedersen <laughs> there, and uh, do that all the time. You know, Casey Middlestat, Brady Kachuk. Um, you know, the, a lot of guys from Canada's team were there are, are in the NHL as well. So that's what you get with the World Juniors. You get your yeah. it's it's a, it's a it's a preview of some of the guys that you're going to know the following year. And I don't remember the last Calder winner that wasn't in in the World Juniors mm-hmm. the year before. So. Uh, this is a great opportunity to see many of the top young talents. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, um, how does the 2021 NHL entry draft of prospects looking? I'm just asking for a friend, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, you know, to be to be completely honest, um, I, I don't really. <laughs> no, I know. Started yeah. Tracking it. Um, I, yeah, I'm trying to, and I can't find anything out there. So. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty hard to to say right now because a lot of these guys, you know, they're like 15 years old. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, a lot can change, and I, I, you know, I I will say that the some of the the, the names to to watch for you know 2021 and beyond. Uh, you're going to see two guys that that have applied for exceptional status in the CHL, yep. uh, Shane Wright and Matthew Savoy. Both of those two guys, I've heard from scouts. I haven't I haven't seen them live. I've seen video clips. You get the exceptional status that puts quite a bit of pressure on those young players, but they are people players that I think anybody in Seattle uh, should be watching. Um, yeah. And just to kind of keep an eye on and say, hey, maybe there's there's an opportunity if if the draft lottery balls bounce right for us, we'll yeah. have a chance to get one of those guys. So Savoy will be a WHL guy, so the folks listening here in Seattle will get a chance to see him uh, come through here. Uh, you know, and, and I, I think he will get that acceptance. He missed he missed the cutoff to play uh, this year by by a day, I think, for his birthday. Correct, correct. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think both of them are are likely to get it um, mm-hmm. from everything that I've heard. And and yeah, so so that gives you an opportunity to see those guys 
Chris. Otherwise, you're you're trying to watch uh, Bantam and, and Midget Hockey right now. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you're not out there well, doing that, Chris? I'm, I'm, uh, not no, yet. Not, not yet. yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, I see enough. <laughs> so, Chris, to, uh, to wrap up our interview, we're going to play a quick game of buy, sell, or hold here with you, which we probably should have given you a heads up on before the <laughs> interview started. But basically, we'll give you a topic, and you're going to tell us whether you would buy, sell, or hold on it, hence the name. Uh, so our first topic is we will see a Pac-12 Division One hockey conference in the next 15 years. Buy, sell, or hold? Uh, I'm going to sell that one. Ooh. I wish I could say differently, but at, at this point, there's just not enough movement uh, in, in any direction to indicate that, that's, that within 15 years that we'll see six teams uh, from the Pac. Uh, you know, yeah, unless I, I suppose you could add the Alaska teams, but I'm not even sure that either of them will be around in 15 years. Oh wow! We're kind of we're rooting for you, Dub, to kind of you know with with I the would love it. catalyst love of it. NHL coming here. Maybe maybe there's some there'll be some traction there as well. But you know, uh, we understand that's a long haul. So uh, my buy, sell, or hold for you is Arizona State hockey will win a national championship before Wisconsin. <laughs> Uh, sell, 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 sell. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Wisconsin, Wisconsin is going to have possibly the best recruiting class in the country next year. Oh. Um, they have Alex Turcott, Cole Caulfield, um, a kid that's at, at this tournament right now, Dylan Holloway, who is going to be a first round pick in 2020. They're really trending in the right direction. I think Tony Granado has is starting to write that ship. So, uh, as much as I, I would love to see Arizona State continue building and uh, moving towards that direction, I think Wisconsin uh, with with some of the they also have Keandre Miller, Ty Emerson, guys that were drafted last year, um, really good young players in the, in their system. I, I think that Tony Granado is going to have an opportunity to, to to add another national title for Wisconsin. Didn't see that one coming, did you, John? No, I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, uh buy seller hold the next world junior championships played on american soil will be held here in seattle Ooh, man i wish i could i wish i could buy that <laughs> i gotta sell and the the reason being so i think that i think the next one that the u.s is going to get is either in 2026 or 2027 and i think that they learn their lesson from buffalo in terms of we don't necessarily have to put the tournament in a border city um, I think, <laughs> it, I think too, the fact that the tournament is in Vancouver this year, you do want to have some distance between that. So I, I think Seattle <laughs> would absolutely make a great destination. I would buy it if it was the one after this, but, and this is going to sound crazy, but the dark horse for the next one in the U S is Tampa. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to guess that. that. Yeah. Well, they were really close last yeah, year. Yeah. That's right. They bid on it before, right? Yeah. Buffalo last year in Buffalo, I hate to say it was was a, was an absolute failure. It was uh, it was too soon to go back there. Um, they won it with having an outdoor game. Tampa was in the mix. They've hosted the Frozen Four. They've done a phenomenal job. Everyone loves the way that they run events there. And I think that you would be able to sell a lot of vacation packages to snowbirds <laughs> and say, "Hey, let's uh, why don't you guys come on down here?" And I, I think I think they could have easily surpassed the attendance that they got in Buffalo. Removing the outdoor game, which is the whole thing that, that was a big reason that Buffalo got the got the event again. Um, you take that away, and it was very ordinary. So I think that you could you could absolutely match that in Tampa. My money's on Tampa. I, I could also see Detroit and Pittsburgh. So there's a lot of competition sure. for the next one. So yeah, but I, I think Seattle would absolutely be in the mix um, down the line. Cool. 
All right, so after winning gold in 17 and then dropping to bronze in 18, U.S. will return to the top of the podium for this year's World Junior Championship by seller hold. Ooh, I'm going to hold. <laughs> it's, it, I think I've learned my lesson about trying to predict the, uh, the World Juniors. It, anything can happen. Right. So, I, I mean, I think, I think that it's wide open. It's Canada's to lose for me. But at the same time, all these countries have, have, have had some magical runs over the years. And, and I don't, it, it's really hard to repeat anymore. So, uh, yeah, so I, I just, I'm not ready to go there yet. I have to see, I have to see how the final rosters look. All right. Hard hitting one from me there. Uh, buy, sell or hold Colton Saucerman will be elected into the hockey hall of fame on name alone. <laughs> on name alone. Yeah. Not the beard, not the beard name oh, alone. Oh, oh, <laughs> if you take the beard away, I think that, that I got to sell. Cause I mean, like <laughs> You got to have both. I mean, Colton Saucerman is great, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, I saw there's also a quarterback for North Dakota State whose name is Easton Stick. Yeah. And how that guy didn't play hockey. Yeah, he dribbles the I, football I like a basketball. I saw that. Right. I saw that. Yeah. And, and I used Easton Stick, so he would have been in my Hall of Fame. Um, but, but yeah. Well, not I, enough. Not enough. No, I, not, not enough. I, I, I need the beard too. But you had the beard, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then the last one here, and we're going to hold you to this. The NHL will participate in the next Olympics. Buy, sell, hold. Buy. I'm going to buy. All right. I think, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, the opportunity to go to China um, with the inroads that they're making, the fact that you are going to have Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid in, in, a, in an incredible showcase, uh, should have had it this year. Uh, I think that the U.S., they, they really missed the boat on. You, you want to have the U.S. and Canada both be good for to, to resonate in North America. And they probably just cost U.S. its best chance at a gold medal in oh, wow. who knows, you know, how long yeah. since 2002. Yeah. You know, I think because of that and because of the fact the players are are, are definitely want it and will push harder for it. I, I think it'll be folded into the next CBA. The players, that'll be one of the concessions that the players get. And I think the NHL will be back in uh, in Beijing. Well, nice. All right. Well, that is our last buy, seller hold. Chris, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, for coming yeah. on the show. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much. Chris. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks again to Chris Peters for joining us. What an awesome interview. It was great. And yeah, just so, so smart and knowledgeable and not that I expected anything less, but man, some of the stuff that we came up with and uh, I mean, for example, John, he really stuffed you in a locker with that Wisconsin <laughs> question there. <laughs> he wasn't having any of that. Like we didn't give him any heads up that we were going to be asking about Wisconsin. And he had a lot of bullets ready to go in that yeah, chamber. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And uh, I've followed him for, in, and I don't know how long, but one of my early follows on Twitter, I'm sure, when he was just writing for the United States of Hockey, UnitedStatesOfHockey.com. Which was his blog. His blog, which he talks about in the interview. And so I feel like I've seen him, his career, you know, increase and project and and it's been pretty cool. And then to to hear him talk so in depth about some of the prospects and and his kind of journey there too, was really cool. So I'm really thankful he came on the show and I think it was a great, a great addition to the show. And the timing is great too because the U.S. Team USA junior, World Junior Team is practicing in Everett uh, this weekend. and It's almost at, like we planned it. Yeah, yeah it's weird, huh? Yeah, and, uh, amazing. I was looking at the, the people in camp. There's 29 players and 26 of those guys have already been drafted by NHL teams and the other three that haven't are, are prospects in the coming up draft including Jack Hughes who's going to be number one. So these aren't these aren't slouches who are going to be here in Everett. So you know those those practices are all open to the public. It's, it's Saturday, 
or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, you're going to see some good hockey players if you go out there out to the Angels of the Wind uh, arena and watch that. Anyway, Chris, thank you again for coming on and for stuffing John in that locker as a Wisconsin <laughs> Badger. I really did appreciate it. So uh, thank you for that. All right. Let's get to some of our segments. Our first one. And I think this might be everyone's favorite segment. <laughs> oh, boy. Going yeah. in corner. Two, two. <laughs> I wow, gonna, that the enthusiasm there and John doing that yeah, sound effect. That I think your I think your version of the sound effect <laughs> might be what we have to use moving forward. Anyway, all right, our first we actually have two this week. Our first goalie year corner, and they're they're both mask related. Ryan Miller, in honor of his team's Star Wars night, had a pretty awesome. Uh, it's like the 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 X wing pilots from Star Wars, of course, that Luke Skywalker wears. He turned his mask into one of those helmets. So obviously he's on the ducks, so it's still orange and white, so it matches the team really well. Thought it was pretty beautiful. I love that goalies do this now that they have kind of these special masks and and things of that nature for when uh, a particular event is coming up. Also on that topic, we had Jonathan Bernier of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, and in honor of the holiday season. He's got a lovely gingerbread mask. <laughs> Pretty oh, nice. This so one. good. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't like gingerbread? Right. Who yeah. doesn't like gingerbread? And But what I really love about it is that he's had this theme of uh, lions on his masks for, throughout his career. I I think it's because he played for the Kings maybe and the Kings have a Could lion be. mascot. I'm not really sure where he came up with the lion. But the gingerbread mask is all gingerbread looking like something you can eat, but he still has that lion painted oh, nice. like <laughs> yeah. in frosting yeah. on the on the top of it. So Which which I think someone needs out there needs to make an actual gingerbread mask. <laughs> yeah. Like remember last year they made a chocolate <laughs> Marc Andre Fleury in Vegas? Yes. And so make the ginger <laughs> if you're a, a talented baker out there, yes. please make that gingerbread mask, send it to us. Bar down studios. Uh-huh. <laughs> One bar down way. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. And, and so. not too much frosting. There's a fine, there's like a perfect sweet spot of frosting. Mm-hmm. So make sure you hit that. Yep. And I think cat eye cage, not the not the oh, crossbar. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, make yeah, it more authentic yeah. that way. Like <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and that was this week's Goalie Gear Corner. All right, <laughs> moving on to our next segment, weekly one-timers. Did Jonathan Drouin just take a shot at the Senators? I thought only we could do that. <laughs> We're not going to be a battle. We, we hate those guys like they hate each other. Like, hey, they hate us. It and- sure sounded like it. Uh, he was being interviewed talking about the rivalry with Ottawa that they have and that they play him a lot. And Is it a Freudian slip or did he say that on purpose? He kind of smiles like he realizes what happened when he said it. So I'm not sure if he did it on purpose or if it was just an accident. Yeah, so there you do hear it, right? I mean, it, it's it's just a split-second thing. But you got to wonder. You do have to wonder. Yeah. Maybe we hate he, them as much as they hate themselves. Yeah. I mean, they do hate themselves. They've, <laughs> we, they've made it clear. Yes. We saw that in the Uber video. Yeah. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoops. John Tortorella making a bit of a fashion statement wearing a hoodie behind the bench. Is is this the the next movement <laughs> in NHL coach fashion? Uh, or well, John and I are wearing hoodies maybe, right now. Yeah, we're support. wearing hoodies. Yeah, yeah, maybe he just caught a chill. I don't know. He had the flu is what it turned out to be. Oh, okay. What surprised me, though, is I thought for sure when this when, I, when this first started happening, it started starting up on Twitter that he was behind the bench during a game in a hoodie. It was a nice Columbus Blue Jacket hoodie, too, by the way. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're going to sell those like crazy now. Very official looking. I was surprised it didn't become a big thing you know how the hockey community can be about you know the playing doing things the right way and dressing the right way and you know i'm sure don cherry's head exploded when he first saw it that he wasn't in a suit but it it didn't i think people realized that it was a one-time thing and he was sick but i was ready for it i was ready to read a bunch of angry tweets yeah or like remember when terry francona was challenged during the playoffs uh 
for because he always wore that like pullover thing in the dugout. <laughs> yes, and yes. I, I think it was the Yankees maybe that challenged that he wasn't wearing a full uniform underneath the pullover. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so they had to have like the uniform police go and like check him out during a game. I mean, I don't know. I was anybody checking to see if Tortorello was wearing a suit under that? That's a good question. Hoodie? I don't know. That, that mystery may remain unsolved. So, side note, Torts must be our our favorite coach of the podcast, right? Top I five, mean, I think. Yeah. There's yeah. no doubt we talk about him more than any other well, coach. He, he may be the most entertaining of all the coaches. Yeah, yeah that's there. true. That's true. He's very quotable. He keeps giving us things to yeah, talk about. That's yeah. right. He was one of those uh, one of the coaches that we had as a, a coach we would want to have a shot with that's in right. the parking lot. That's so. right. That's yeah. right. Our next weekly one-timer. <laughs> Ryan Reeves had a very questionable hit on Tom Wilson, and there was some weirdness involved with this because they'd kind of been going back and forth, and uh, Tom Wilson obviously has been public enemy number one this this season, so there was like this kind of weird and uncomfortable reaction to it uh, throughout social media that uh, I didn't really agree with, but the, the thing that came out of it that was really weird was that there were photos taken of the hit that Ryan Reeves apparently had autographed. <laughs> and put on eBay. They were on eBay. Yeah. You could buy them. Not in good taste. He nope. did eventually, I think, apologize for it, and they they took it yeah. off of eBay, so they're not selling them anymore. It was a weird reaction. I mean, we've talked before. Tom Wilson's not the most liked player outside of Washington, D.C., so he gets hit in a, in a Tom Wilson-type hit, and people there were a lot of people that seemed to enjoy it. <laughs> Which yeah. the same people who are angry at Wilson for making plays like that were then rejoicing. So was that the reaction that you're you Yeah, that's the reaction I'm of? referring to. I, I saw a lot of people saying like, oh well karma or Good for him or it's something. It's just like no, like you don't you don't wish for that on anybody. Well and, didn't Reeves had a quote like he ran into a, a jungle predator or something like that? He he had some kind of braggadocio. And they do have a history. Like yeah. they've they fought, fought a couple before. times. Yeah. Reeves didn't get suspended though. No. And actually on the on that topic, there was a lot of people being like, oh, my God, this is a disgusting hit. I didn't think it was that dirty of a hit. I thought nah. the only reason that, that Wilson got hurt was not because he got hit in the head by Reeves. He, as he was going down, hit his head on the ice, and his helmet happened to fly off because it was a hard hit. Which makes it look really, really drastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the only thing is that it's a so little tad late. late. Like the, yeah, the puck, the puck was, isn't, yeah. Yeah, puck's not there anymore. On the late side. Anyway, I didn't like that reaction from the people that were saying that it was uh, – you don't want to yeah. see anybody get hurt, whether it, he's it just, a, you and, know. and to celebrate it by getting an autograph picture. I mean, who who some they sold some of them. That, who but who that, bought one of those pictures? Like, wh- wh- what, so what is wrong up, with you? That, I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, that stuff happens all the time. Like for a while, Pete Rose was signing autographs that said "I bet on baseball" or something like that. Like, <laughs> and he, you know, it's people just do it for a buck, and it's more the not novelty of it. But ironically, the few I, that, I'm the glad few that they took it down. And if that's the case, and I don't know how they got signed in the first place but well pretty, he had so he weird. had to knowingly do it right somebody sent him a bunch of pictures and for him to sign so he he was in on it at first yeah yeah i know i'm just saying like yeah i don't know i don't know the backstory completely ironically to, though, some of those that have now out some some were sold i imagine they got delivered that those might even have now worth even more because there's just so few of them and there's a story about it so yep. yeah yeah yep. the infamous headshot autographs <laughs> maybe I, that'll be the new thing in the nhl yeah you hit somebody in the head you sign autographs Exactly. But he didn't hit him in the head. Well, yes, right. Right. <laughs> but Tom Wilson hit his head. Yes. Yes. Just to clarify. Okay. Our next <laughs> weekly one-timer. In the WHL, Andy, your bread and butter, the Prince Albert Raiders, yeah. lost to the very lowly Swift Current Broncos. Did you notice, by the way, in the in the show notes here, you had written Prince Albert and Swift Current. I knew the correct mascots. Of nice. I, I'm impressed. Huh? That's very really good. <laughs> 
Yeah, four-win Swift Current team who has a decimated roster after winning the championship last year beat, beat Prince Albert in a shootout. Now, we talked about the Swift Current goalie before on this podcast, Al Hoffer, who's a St. Louis Blues prospect, and he made like 70 saves early in the year. Yes. He, again, had a pretty good game. That I mean, Prince Albert was all over him. It was the shot disparity was like 55 to 20, and he stood on his head. And it still took a shootout. But that dropped Prince Albert's record at the time to uh, you know 27-1, 0-1, which brutal, right? <laughs> they have lost one game since. They, so they now have two losses on the se- two regulation losses on the season. But. Now, does Prince Albert have a lot of kids that have already been drafted? Yes, they, they have, have a bunch, uh, and they're going to have a rough month here, though, because like four of their guys are off to the World Juniors, so they're going to be without some of their top players, including Ian Scott, their goaltender, who's so in they, Toronto. So they might drop to like 27 Yeah, they might four. lose three games. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's wild. I mean, I, what a run that is. You have two losses with one of them coming in a shootout. That's insane. Yeah, to, <laughs> to a team that insane. has won four games all year and, and probably might, may, not, may not win 10 by the time the season's over. Man, that goalie from Swift Current, like, he's going to We need to rescue him and get him on a good team. He's going to go play professional and he's going to be like, oh my gosh, it's so easy compared to what I faced last year. We need to to get a covert team, the Seals, (laughs) to go into Swift Current and get him out of there. Yeah. Our next weekly one-timer. We have a lot of these, by the way, this week. Okay, go ahead with your sound effects. Okay. So we have a lot of these this week, I'm noticing. Uh, Our next one, though, is Carter Hart. Another not current WHL player, but friend of the WHL, yep. <laughs> finally finally got his first pro shutout. Exciting stuff. Yeah, he had struggled a little bit to start the season, so he finally got a shutout. So that's good news for him. And I think he's he's been trending up a little bit lately uh, down there at Lehigh Valley. So uh, it's good news for him, and not surprising. You know, he got off to a rough start, and that's an adjustment to go from junior to pro. But uh, I, I figured he would eventually figure it out, and it sounds like he's on that on the way. So I'm guessing he's probably just a couple weeks away from saving the Flyers franchise. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. Starter Hart, right? Isn't that what they call him? Exactly. Or they're going to rush him too soon. And, uh, no, and then no, 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 no. Don't even go there, John. And then he'll end up in like the ECHL. <laughs> no. <laughs> for like the Topeka What's-Its or whatever they're called. Uh, it's going to be interesting what they do with him if, if they're really targeting him for next year to be the starter. I would or, like think so. I mean, it's still pretty early in goalie terms. Yeah. Um, and so then Philly's kind of still doesn't have a goalie. I don't know if you guys well, realize that. but friend of the podcast, Emily Kaplan, wrote a story about Carter Hart. She interviewed him, and he's ready to go now. I mean, oh, he, I, he, he I read that too. Well, he wants but, to. Yeah. He came across a little impatient in my mind. Like, I want to go now. I don't, yeah. I don't care about what their plan is. I want to be there now, which, you know, all players want. But it was kind of Yeah, funny. but otherwise you get a boring interview that says, oh, Oh, I'm just going to get better every yeah, day. When the, the time's ready, I'm going to be available. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So he's, thought, he's, but he's, he's rare to go. Yeah, that's good. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoosh. And maybe we should save this for a new segment that we're going to call Things You Don't See Every Day. <laughs> <laughs> but here's something like you don't it. see every day. Robert Bortuzzo shot a puck in in last night's game for the St. Louis Blues. The puck, as it was getting dumped in, hit referee Tim Peel in the corner and banked into the net behind Roberto Luongo. Quite the feat. I'm, I doubt he was doing it on purpose. <laughs> but nonetheless, quite the feat. What we learned from this, and I didn't know this, maybe you guys knew this, but there's apparently a rule in the rule book that states that if the puck goes in off of the referee, it does not count. So this goal was disallowed because it hit Tim Peel. And if you watch the video, it's fantastic. Like it, it hits Tim Peel right in the midsection, and, and Peel <laughs> kind of falls backwards. It's like a lands, ninety degree to turn. Yeah, yeah, like lands right <laughs> yeah. in his butt against the boards. It wasn't like deflected in. It was no. like it like took a ninety degree angle into the net. I love the Wongo's reaction because he kind of looks over at Peel and is like, "What the hell just, did you just do? Like, yeah. why did you just put the yeah. puck in my net?" Like he did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Like he wanted to just get nailed. It was with an that. incredulous yeah. look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Let me see if I can deflect it like 20 feet over. I mean, Tim Peel must have either abs or uh, whatever part of that it hit if it's, you know, lower. But I mean, it had, he had, whatever that is, it's got to be just made of steel, right? Because the way that thing bounced off of that. You know, if he's, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm uncomfortable thinking about know, what yeah, on right. him is made of steel. Okay. <laughs> we'll move on. Our next weekly one-timer. <laughs> Sticking with the St. Louis theme, things seem to be kind of falling off the rails there in St. Louis. Obviously, they're down at the bottom of the stacked Central Division. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but we actually had a fight in practice yesterday, which is never a good thing to see. No, and unfortunately for them, it was caught on camera by yep. some reporters that were there. And fights happen in practice. I've seen fights in practice before. So it's not uncommon that that happens. But this it's just coming on the heels of the coach being fired. The night before, they were hammered by some team up north. Uh, the L.A.'s Pedersons, I think, had five points. Oh, no big deal. And so I think that's what happens when you lose to Vancouver in, in an embarrassing fashion at home. You start getting in fights at practice. Well, so lesson to the crap, future some, crap weasels. Honestly, sometimes I see that stuff and or somebody getting all fired up, and I think at least they care. Yeah, I don't know the backstory in that fight, but you know somebody's working hard in practice or or pissed off that they just got beat. Like, and they were brutal in that game against Vancouver. I mean, they were disinterested, standing around. It was a bad effort by the Blues in that game. Well, and now Jeremy Rutherford was mentioning that uh, he had a, put it out in story, put it on Twitter that. Pretty much anybody is now available for trade <laughs> for the Blues. Doug Armstrong has actually said that, and that includes guys like Vladimir Tarasenko. So, are, there so, be takers uh, so for are you Allen, trying to tell me Allen? it wasn't the coach's fault? Uh, well, hold on. Those are two very different questions. <laughs> You're saying Jake Allen. You're saying the coach's fault. I've always been, as, as much as I'm a supporter of the goalies out there, <laughs> Jake Allen is not my guy. So I have so, said for quite a while, I don't think that if you're going to live and die with Jake Allen as your netminder, then you're going to just die. So you don't think the phone's going to be ringing off the hook for him? I don't think so. <laughs> you, you, that's true, but you, Jake Allen knocked, knocked the wild out of the playoffs two years ago. Yes, so that's, that's the why. thing about him, right? So he can get <laughs> he can get really hot at certain times, but there's just not enough consistency. He's so up and so down that like it's it's bizarre. I mean, there's been several times now in his career where you're like, wow, this one is as bad as it gets. And then it gets worse the following year. So that to me is is where they really I, went wrong was I, when they decided. I do trust your goalie judgment here. That yeah. sounds like a valid Maybe argument. Bring, uh, I don't have the data to support it, but. Will you, will you pull some data, please, John? I will. Yeah. Maybe they'll bring Martin Broder back. Maybe. Yeah. He already, does he still work for them? <laughs> no, no he's he, back he, he went Jersey. back to New Jersey. Oh, okay. And the other question, it's not the coach's fault. No, it's not. Our next week, I told you we have a lot of these. Our yeah, next this is weekly one-timer. Whoopsh. Auntie Ranta, this is bad news, who we mentioned him earlier that uh, it's already been assumed that he'll be extended for the 2021 season, making Aiden Hill available for the crap weasels. Auntie Ranta apparently is out for the season. He had uh, a surgery that it said it will require him to be out indefinitely, and it is very likely that he will miss the remainder of the season. going to be a blow for the and Coyotes. The good news for them is that Aiden Hill's played really well. Yes. Since taking I, think over. He was, I think I saw he was the first star of the week. Like, well, yep, he technically was. that's good news for Seattle, mm. too. Future right? crap weasel yeah. Aiden Hill. Future crap yeah. weasel. There you go. Who we used to have really cool pads when he played in Portland. And this is this week's goalie game. Oh, wait, we already had that. <laughs> so that was an extended you got a version. It was the overtime, and a overtime WHL version. Comment in yeah. there, so. Tell me Great. about those pads, Andy. They were kind of old school. They weren't fancy. They were kind of the old school brown ones that you used to see back in the day. And, uh-huh. But for some reason, they just they look really cool with the Portland Winterhawk, a.k.a. Chicago Blackhawk jersey. Mm-hmm. Well, I, for one, am riveted by this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll find a picture for you okay. somewhere. These are supposed to be short, you guys? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Moving on to our next Weekly one-timer. NHL and PPG Paints have made a deal 
This is some groundbreaking stuff here. <laughs> they are going to put a new coat of paint on the top of the pucks, which they have some white lettering and a white NHL logo for the Winter Classic. And the puck is going to now change colors when it's above freezing to indicate to the referees that it's time to change them out. Fascinating how, stuff. How have we functioned as a league? I don't know. I mean, Without this. Is, this. <laughs> this is the biggest technological advancement since the Fox tracker, uh, the glow puck. In that, my opinion. that and the, the, the Coors Light thing that tells you when your beer is cold. Oh, yeah. Well, Because holding it in your hand is not good enough. It's the same technology, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it's pretty similar technology. <laughs> but um, what's amazing is they're going to demo this in the uh, Winter Classic where it's going to be really flipping cold. Yeah. Do you think, well, do you think NBC is going to talk a lot about it and have like, a lot of close-up shots uh, of the hopefully puck? Hopefully, Jeremy Roenick's going to like – Talk about it on the ice, and he's going to go up in the crowd and talk about it, then go up into, oh, you know, joy. like, go by uh, Touchdown Jesus and talk to people. Stuff. I'll be watching on CBC. Listen, if they can <laughs> keep Weezer quiet long enough to even do that story, <laughs> you know. Side note, Weezer was selected as the band that's going to play, so uh, really keeping it current. Uh, <laughs> Could be Kid Rock, Our, yes. That's right. It's true. I'll take I'll Kid take Rock. Weezer. I'll take Weezer over Kid Rock. Anytime. That's a good point. Actually, I, I'm a huge Weezer fan. I love it. Great selection. Don't knock it until you've you know. Yeah, I was a fan 15 years ago too. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they play that sweater song because hockey's have sweaters. Oh, that was Ooh. like 25 years ago, isn't it? Is it really 25 years ago? It's been a long time. It Jeez. might be. Our next. I don't like that. Weekly <laughs> one timer. I think John Schuller's going to get sore from all these one-timers. I he's know. I, it's, it's good practice. Good practice for your Thanks. shot. On the 31 Thoughts podcast this week, Andrew Ference was on, and it was a pretty good interview. He was very interesting. Uh, he mentioned, though, in kind of almost like an offhand approach that the 13 through 15 Edmonton Oilers had a culture of partying that – uh, kind of negatively impacted their, I guess, their team and their culture. The Edmonton Journal wrote that Andrew Ference had gone nuclear in this interview. Nuclear. <laughs> nuclear. Yeah. A guy that hasn't played in Edmonton in four years, yeah. right? Yeah. And mentioned that a few guys liked to go out during the season. Yeah. yeah. And matter of factly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This story's got John all riled up. I think this is borderlining on a get off my lawn segment. Weaved into the ones that weekly one timers. Mm. It is pretty close, like because it kind of bothered me, you know. Like I, I remember I heard the interview. I listened to the podcast a couple couple days ago, and I'm like, oh, what a great interview! You know, it's a very kind of um, transparent approach to like what goes on as as a player, and and he talked about taking care of his body, and and because he was always like a bottom four defenseman in mm-hmm. a way, or bottom bottom two, bottom three, so he had to really work work at staying in the NHL and he did. He did well. And he, I mean, I think he was like an eighth round draft pick and they don't even have eight rounds anymore. (laughs) So then, you know, and he talked about Boston having the right approach about a a good team culture and and they won a cup. And then he goes to Edmonton and he talked about guys really wanting to, people would say they want to change the culture and they want to start winning. And then he literally said they'd go out at five o'clock, which I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's pretty interesting stuff. But then the Edmonton Journal goes off and and says, oh, he goes nuclear. Like it's he's talking like crap he's about the team. Yeah, and, yeah, or yeah. He's just <laughs> was that a Kevin Costner reference right there? I yeah, was it. I don't, the I don't know. What that is. Like that Postal, you know that. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about that terrible movie. The Edmonton Journal almost proved the point of, of a couple of his comments about how the media there, yeah, the media just takes things and and blows them up to make it a bigger story than it really is. And all of a sudden, it's there's controversy in the team. And it's like, well, they, just they, take it for what it is, right? He just told you what it, what it went through. It doesn't mean it's going on now, but... It's anyway. a bit of a clickbait headline. 
Yep. And he doesn't name any names of players that I heard right. of who, who was the, the bad the guys. Yeah. That, the sad thing is he's from Edmonton. That's where he grew up. So now fans there are going to hate him. Well, or I don't maybe, know if the fans are going to hate him. The fans him probably be- agree with him that that was part of the well, problem with the team. W- wouldn't you want to know that? I yeah. mean, like It's a great interview if they have the time to listen to it. But my favorite part is his explanation for why he flipped off the fans in Montreal that one yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> that wraps up weekly... <laughs> All right. That's enough. That's enough. (laughs) But that's enough. Okay. Wow. John, another get off my lawn. John's fiery up today. He wants everyone off his lawn tonight. Hey, before we go, you guys want to discuss what we think the team name is going to be? No. No. I'm I'm over it. Let's wrap it up with games (laughs) on the radar. What do you guys have? John, you have one? Yes, I do. It's uh, Sunday. Winnipeg is traveling to – or no, Winnipeg is hosting Tampa Bay. Good game. And I will be there. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So my first trip to (laughs) Manitoba. Oh, boy. Yeah. Lovely Manitoba. Um, So it just so happens it's a pretty good – Pretty good game there. So uh, pretty excited for that. I'm going to see the Manitoba Moose the night before. And then... Formerly the Minnesota Moose. All right. And then a couple days later, I'm going to see the Sharks of San Jose battle the wild of minnesota oh so i'm uh i'm on going on a little road trip so i'm pretty excited about that i bought years ago bought a manitoba moose t-shirt and then they moved to st john for a while mm. and i thought great i have a collector's item and then they moved back to Min- or manitoba mm. which made my shirt useless there you go. <laughs> well, or just you can use it as a shirt uh, yeah yeah it's fine <laughs> Hey, really quick shout out, by the way, uh, to my nephew for winning the Cloquet Minnesota Barn Burner Tournaments, uh, nice. Square Day Tournament. He had, I think, six points in four games. So as a defenseman, just saying. <laughs> it was a good time. Actually, when I was back in Minnesota this past week, I went up to the tournament. Funny story for you. They had a uh, like four little plastic folding tables set up. Three of them had baked goods for a bake sale. And then the other table had two very large rifles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a silent auction for these rifles nice. from a gun company that happened to be their sponsoring. And I say, hey, you know what? Nothing says youth sports like guns and baked goods. So <laughs> that sounds that sounds perfect. All right, uh, interesting <laughs> situation. Anyway, Where was that? that? That was in northern Minnesota. So okay. yeah, it was about two and a half hours north of in the like, Iron Range. You need, you need rifles yeah, up, you the, need rifles the up range, there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have games on your radar, or is that it? I'm gonna no. go. I'm gonna go local Saturday night. Everett uh, hosts Seattle in the Angel of the Wind. It's just one angel, by the way. It's not Angels. Angel of the Winds Arena. There's more than one wind, though. Mm. Uh, should be a good game. The two played last weekend in a game that had playoff intensity. There was anger. There was hatred. There was controversy. A suspension came out of it. It's everything you love about the John Tortorella. Uh, anti-hug fest hockey. So this game Saturday should be just as good. Teddy bear toss that night. Too. It is teddy bear toss. Oh, yes, wow. thank you. And oh. I mean, you, you can go there in the morning, watch the USA. USA Junior Camp, and then just make a whole day out of it and never just hang out. Manitoba all Moose is also a teddy bear toss night. Oh, so, so we'll we'll be be teddy bears. some teddy bears. You could yep. say the fur will be flying. You could say that. <laughs> I don't know what you would. <laughs> All right, I take it back. This wraps up episode 14 of Sound of Hockey. Thank you once again to Chris Peters for joining us. And hey, folks, if you aren't currently subscribed, please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever else uh, you can do so. And of course, make sure to leave us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it for you next week. And we will be back for episode 15 next week as well. We might be remote since John's doing that jaunt around the country to watch hockey, but either way, we'll be back next week. So we look forward to talking to you then. Thanks so much. If you want to destroy
stress.